Hey there, friends. My name is Kyle Devlin, and this is Having a Blast. Having a Blast is a pop punk, punk rock, emo, and everything in between podcast where we'll be discussing all things punk rock ethos and personal development and the parallels within. We'll also be doing some deep dives on some important albums and bands. We'll be chatting with band members, producers, and a bunch of my friends. I want to know what makes these people tick. How has being self-motivated moved them in the direction of their goals? We're going to have a lot of fun finding out. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the show. What is up? It has been a minute since I've been able to get a podcast out into the world. I'm very thankful to be back. Long story short, my computer blew up a few weeks ago, and I had to send it away to get looked at by my father-in-law. Thank you very much, Mr. Boyd. Unfortunately, all the files for the podcast are on a corrupted drive, so I had to re-record everything from scratch. But today, I'm excited to share a conversation that I had about a month ago, maybe a little over a month now, with Mr. Jared Rode bassist and vocalist for the amazing band Counterpunch. He also plays with Death by Stereo. He's played with Elway, Chart Attack, Unit 91. He's played in a lot of bands. Jared was a lot of fun to talk to. He and his band Counterpunch put out a phenomenal skate punk record last year. I listened to it a ton and it was one of my favorite records of 2022. We discuss all things punk rock. We discuss the recording of the album, him getting into skate punk, touring in bands, and what it's like to release music now as an adult. With all of life's craziness and other obligations and responsibilities, he just hit the road with the band that I mentioned earlier, the legendary Death by Stereo, and we chat about that as well. So without any further preamble on my part, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Mr. Jared Road of Counterpunch. How are you? Good, dude. How's it going? Good, man. Good to see you. Jared, it's nice to meet you via yeah, Zoom. Nice you. Not much, man. It's the weekend, right? I love the shirt you're wearing. That's rad. Thanks. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a counterpunch shirt from the left. I, I thought so. I recognized the logo. That's cool, man. I wear my band shirts all the time, too. Well, it's the newest and most comfy that I have right now. So it's just, you know, laundry day. <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah, it's perfect for it, right? Saturdays, yeah. Sundays, great for band gear. Cool, man. Dude, thank you for carving out time for this today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You're in California? I am, yeah. About six months ago, we moved to San Jose. Oh, cool. I love San Jose. My old band used to play there all the time. There was a venue there called The Outhouse that we played there quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. I have no, I, I haven't gone to a show in San Jose yet. So yeah, I'm not familiar with any venues out here. We played here like, I want to say like 10 years ago, and I can't even remember the name of the venue. <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised if The Outhouse was even still there. The last time we played was probably 2004. So it was okay. a long time ago, but we used yeah. to go there quite a bit. We used to hang out. We had a friend that we stayed with there as well. So that was a cool place to go visit. That's cool. So you're from Chicago? I am. Yeah. Okay. I lived there for 42 years. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm a Midwest kid too. I'm in Lawrence, Kansas right now, but I'm from Kansas City. Sweet. Lawrence yeah. is awesome. We played some really rad shows there. Yeah, <laughs> it's a cool town. It's a college town and it's had 
some of the most famous venues that I've been going to since I was a kid. And a lot of them are still there, thankfully. So people who live in Kansas City, they go to Lawrence for shows and vice versa. Mm hmm because they're about 45 minutes away from each other. So it's kind of the same market, but every once in a while you'll have bands hit both or they'll hit one yeah. one year and then the following year they'll come to Lawrence and then they'll switch off Casey and Lawrence and stuff. So for sure. Cool, man. So just out of curiosity, what made you guys decide to move to California? Uh, my wife got had a job opportunity and then I took a promotion with the company that I work for that's based out in San Francisco. I still work from home, but yeah, we just both kind of changed some career career path stuff and it brought us out here. I've always wanted to to live out in California. I had that like Southern California dream, you know, for like 20 years. Turned out that we moved to the South Bay, which is completely awesome because it's like totally different from where we own a home in Illinois and live or live. And it's just great, like 15 minutes and we're at a mountain or, you know, 40 minutes we're at the ocean in Santa Cruz, you know, riding bikes and hanging out. And, you know, it's, it's awesome. So That's awesome, it. man. Yeah, I love California. I spent a lot of time there. So I understand the dream of living out there eventually. I think that's really cool. And it's cool you guys had the opportunity to do that. That's really rad. You get the best of both worlds because, like you said, you wanted to get out to Southern California, but you're really not too far, right? You're like a few no, hours away six, from LA. Six hours, like a six hour drive to like LA, basically. That's right. It is six hours. I always forget how far it is of a drive up north because mm -hmm. I haven't done it in so long, but we used to do it all the time. That's cool. So you say you're 40 minutes from Santa Cruz? Yep. Cool. Yeah. So I got like a 35 minute if traffic is okay, which typically when we're, when we're doing that, it's like on a weekend or something like that. So it's like 35, 40 minute drive and we're, we're in Santa Cruz. Beautiful. Are the rest of the bandmates for Counterpunch, are they still in Chicago? No, actually, we're quite spread out. Eric is still in Chicago, and that's kind of HQ. And Kyle, about a year and a half ago, moved to Denver to, so like where we recorded our newest album, he got a job offer to work in that studio. So him and his fiance moved out there and established some, a home there, and he works out of Denver. I'm like I said, six months ago, moved to San Jose and then Jim lives in Detroit, in the Detroit area. So yeah, we're all kind of spread out when we reconvene to do stuff, which is like the COVID kind of all the moves happened like around the COVID break and all that kind of stuff, except for mine. But when we reconvene, we all just kind of like show up in Chicago and rehearse and or write or you know all that kind of stuff eric and kyle and i do most of the writing and we have like weekly meetings where zoom meetings where we like throw all of our ideas in a dropbox and then we all like kind of talk about it and work out you know what we want to work on and kind of split off go our ways and work on things and come back together and collaborate so kind of a cool that's, dynamic yeah that's really cool i mean thank god for new technology being able to collaborate like that that's so cool I mean, you can be. Yeah, in I'm sure areas. that. Yeah, I'm sure that if we didn't have that kind of technology, that we'd all be sending cassettes in the mail to each other. Like, here's the <laughs> idea. Here's the idea. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I remember that's how we used to do it, right? I remember when I was 15. I think my parents bought me one of those physical four tracks, or I think it might have been an eight mm -hmm. track, but it was one of those things Lucky. where you literally put the special tapes in, and then you'd flip it around to record on top yeah. of the tracks or whatever. And yeah, I think I still have that somewhere, but. Yeah. God bless technology. We can do something a little bit more effective and efficient these days. Yeah. What do you use to record my your first, ideas? Uh, I use Logic. 
uh, record on an Apple and just use Logic. Um, we all do that. I think that's the same software that the studio that we recorded in uses. But yeah, I'm no no whiz or anything or like super tech guy when it comes to that. I just know how to get it all set up, press record, and get the idea in there. That's the most important part, but, yeah. right? I mean, most <laughs> of the time, I'm actually in a band as well, to give you a little context. Most of the time, the band that toured a lot in the early 2000s, we've recently reunited and we've been releasing singles and stuff. So I'm having to capture ideas again, but I've been using my phone, just the voice memos. You know, if I have a melody mm-hmm. or a lyric idea or even like a, a guitar oh, yeah. riff or something. I do that. Yeah, yeah, I do that all the time. I mean, that's the first That's the first step before I go to Logic is like something pops in my head and I'm just like, do it, 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 it. Yeah, that's the first Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, when I, when I first started doing it, it was like, I barely knew how to play guitar and I had a, a like a uh, boom box with a little microphone input and I would like record a song. And then I had, my sister had a boom box. So mm-hmm. I would put the tape, I would play the tape on my sister's boom box. And then with the my boom box, I'd do a, another recording so I could like layer track that way. <laughs> and like, and that was like before I even knew what a four track was. Then I got a four track. So you're lucky that you got you started off with an eight track because that's yeah. Like I was gonna say <laughs> many steps ahead. I hear about. I was talking to a producer I think a couple of years ago, and he mentioned the same thing. He did the exact same thing. That was the first time he discovered layering. He was using yeah. two recorders of tape cassettes and things. Yeah, I mean that's pretty ingenious when you think about it. I mean you have to be really creative. I mean you had yeah, to be I creative had, back in the day. I knew nothing about music. I knew nothing about recording. I knew nothing about any of that stuff. It was just me in my room, like trying to figure out how to play like a Nirvana song. And then I had I was like, oh, this would be sweet if I recorded myself playing. And then I just started experimenting. And like I hear that story with like at, most people that I know that are in bands and things like that that are into you know making in their own demos and stuff you know if they're my age or, or you know or older they're like yeah that's how i did it too and i'm just like wow it's so crazy like that it connection is crazy. Is such a such a cool thing yeah yeah it's a cool frame of reference though because i mean to come to now with how much is at our disposal even with just subscription-based models because i've been using studio one somebody recommended that to me and they said the user interface is very similar to logic and pro tools and I'm paying, I'm just tracking. So I'm just tracking ideas and stuff. I'm not like finalizing the product, but it's pretty crazy to think that I can just do it on my laptop and I can plug straight in through my focus, right? I don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, mic up an amp the way we used to do it. And right. I can get a pretty decent skeleton of a song or an idea for 15 bucks a month, you know, just a subscription yep. that I have, which is the lower That's tier cool. or whatever. But yeah, it's crazy to come all this way. I feel spoiled in a way. And I think back then it was difficult because it was hard to conceptualize an idea because it was so rough. Well, yeah. And like not to mention that you have to get like the mic position correctly or wherever, you know, your boombox position correctly. So it's not like just completely like distorting the audio and stuff like now with all the plugins, like I can have like a $3,000 guitar amp. You know, if you wait for like sales and stuff like that, you, you know, you can you can get like a Friedman like BT50 mm-hmm. and for like 25 bucks and throw that on your logic and you just have a preamp that sounds like the most one of the most amazing guitar amps that you could ever purchase, you know, and it's just like yeah. you're just playing in your house. So, it, it, you know, with some headphones, on, it's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's really cool. I definitely want to talk about your new album because your new album rips and it was one of my favorite <laughs> records last year. I listened to it a ton and talked to a lot of my Thank friends you. about it. I grew up on fast skate punk. I really fell in love. Dookie was the gateway for me as it was for a lot of kids around the early 90s, mid 90s. And then I discovered No Effects and Bad Religion. The floodgates opened and I discovered comps and everything. So I'm a huge, huge fan of skate punk, still am. That's the style that my first band that has recently reunited, that's what we are. And it's just been so cool to hear this resurgence of it. You know, people that have been in bands for a long time and then newer bands are doing it as well, which I think is really, really cool. And I mean, clearly there's an audience for it. I want to talk about all that. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about you growing up in Chicago because Chicago is kind of legendary scene wise. How did you originally get into music? Did you start going to local shows or did you start listening to the music first? Mm, I mean, I've always been musical and when I was little, like staying in church and I like first stories that I remember were like in second grade working at my table and I'm always like humming and singing and the teacher's like if you don't stop you're gonna I'm gonna make you sing in front of church or something like that <laughs> and then I did and then I got pushed into choir and then all that kind of stuff and it was just like I, I, I was always singing and then I remember we were I was probably like seven my uncle moved and like gave us a piano and we it was in the basement and I was always just like tapping away and then learning songs the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves had a Brian Adams tune everything I do yeah, I do it for you and I I taught I I taught myself how to play that and my mom was like whoa how did you learn that and I was just like I'm just by listening and then by she ear. gave me like yeah by ear and so she set me up with some piano lessons which lasted two weeks because I just didn't really like the structure and I just kind of always had gravitated towards like instruments and things but I've been self-taught like I, I I've never really taken a lesson of music lesson except for those like two weeks of piano okay. um so you just so had like, like a natural inclination to, to melody and stuff yeah I guess my brother who was about three years older than me was in band like basement bands and stuff like that he played the drums and I would like they'd go on smoke breaks or like lunch breaks and stuff like that and I would run downstairs and grab somebody's guitar and just mash into it and one of them showed me a power chord and the rest was history I was like eight uh in eight seventh or eighth grade he introduced me to punk music like I, music was for me was like oldies and like whatever was played on the radio or on like family vacations but my brother was like a huge influence he would listen to poison and hair metal and then it like then i heard the sex pistols and then i heard i heard him play like no effects and bad religion and like it just like blew me away and green day and like and nirvana and stuff like that were present like because it was on the radio but i didn't associate green day with punk it was just like what was on the popular radio and then like yeah. when i had that epiphany when like stranger than fiction and like punk and drublet hit my brain i was just like this is my favorite my like the melody and like just like the amazing guitar guitar and drum work and things like that on, on those albums i don't know it was, i didn't look back so that's what i was focused on that was the music that i loved and i tried to find any anything that was fast and melody driven so yeah yeah, yeah and i think a lot of people had a similar story i mean it's interesting you mentioned those two records specifically and those both came out the same year dookie came out and I think I discovered those two records shortly after Dookie. Mm -hmm. And when Dookie came out, I was 10 and I didn't really associate it with punk rock either. I just knew I liked it. I knew I liked the palm muted guitars and the melodies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah. 
I think no effects was that first introduction to what we would call the double time beat or the punk rock beat. There's a lot of different names for it, but I think that was when my brain exploded and I thought, oh, okay, there's melody, there's distorted guitars, and there's really, really fast drums, really energetic Mm -hmm. drums. And all my friends were skateboarders. And I think as time went on, I really started to latch on to more of the faster punk rock bands and stuff. I'm just going to open my door really fast. My dog's asking me. No problem. It's so funny. My wife, she's going to work really quickly for a thing. Usually he just hangs out up there, but everybody must have left him. That's why he wanted to come down here. It's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so cool. So you really gravitated towards the punk rock. Did you discover the Fat Rec Comps and the Punkaramas? And is that how you discovered some of the other bands or... Yeah. So I think how it kind of came about is like my brother played a tape of Stranger Than Fiction. And then, and then I heard no, um, the no effects punk and drug look like around the same, the same time I was visiting down at my grandparents' house because he had like got out of my parents' house and like went down and stayed with them. So I went to visit, showed me these albums and I came back home with just like this, like need to find more. So I got the first punk record that I ever bought was no effect ribbed. And I just went to a store, looked for no effect and bought the craziest looking album cover I could buy, you know, <laughs> and then I discovered bands by reading the jacket, you know, like, oh, yeah, the liner thanks to strung out, thanks to Pennywise, thanks to, you know, and then I was like, who the fuck are these people? And then I start listening to them and I'm just like, oh, my God, yeah, there's so much, you know, yeah. and it's all from this place. I did sure. love things like the Sex Pistols, and, you know, like older first gen punk. Uh, I was never like huge into the Ramones. But I totally love them. But I, I was, they weren't like one of my bands, you know. And like it was just like that Southern California sound that just like you know destroying me, like making <laughs> making yeah. this whole thing go like maybe I could do that. And then from there, I, there was like a local record shop called Record Breakers that wasn't too far from my parents' home, and they would have shows. So that's kind of where I learned about the Chicago scene at first, going and seeing like ska bands and hearing about bands like 88 fingers louie and that kind of that those kind of local bands and then they were legendary weren't they i mean 88 fingers louie was they were but for me it was like something that i had stumbled upon after they had already like broken up so so to me it was just like this band that was around but it's not there anymore and like when you're first getting into the scene it's like you're just learning you don't really know timelines and all this kind of stuff it's like it's kind of crazy all the backstories and all that stuff but for me it was I I was working I was like a 15 and I was working at a McDonald's and I had some had just moved to this town that was like 30 miles north from where I grew up so I really didn't know anybody just a couple of people that I was working with and they knew that I liked music and I would like sing and stuff like that so this band, they lost their singer and the, the next Friday they had like a, a gig that they had to play. So they they jumped into the drive through at McDonald's and they're like, we heard you sing. You want to come over after work and learn their songs and play the show with us? And I was like, I get so. And that was like, I got asked to join the band. The guy who did sound at the show had a recording studio and he was like, you guys are good. Like, let's record for free. And so that was just like the thing that happened. Just like another thing. I got beaten over the head by my brother and the music. And then I got this weirdy, like random opportunity with these new friends. And it jumped in right into a studio. And it was just like, I, it was just hooked. Yeah, one thing after another. Cool. I bet that was exciting. Very yeah, uh, serendipitous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <sweet. laughs> 
It's cool how it works. You always hear that cliche that music becomes sort of the community that you surround yourself with, but it really is. I mean, when you when you get enveloped in something, you don't realize it right away, but you go to the shows and you pretty quickly realize, oh, I'm a part of something here. I think that's one of the things that I gravitated towards with punk rock. I would go to the local shows and you'd see somebody wearing a strung out shirt or you'd see somebody wearing an Atari shirt. Oh, I instantly have something in common with them. And I think that's where the beginning of networking started with local bands and local scenes and stuff. But that's cool. Did you ever hear about Naked Ray Gun? They were a really legendary Chicago band. Or was that before your time? Yeah, this definitely before my time. I had heard of them, but they were one of those bands that I kind of missed the boat on. Mad props to those guys. Major respect for for that band. They're like a legendary Chicago band. But for me, where my focus was, all the bands that I was really getting into that were Chicago-based bands probably were obsessed with Naked Ray Gun. But I didn't, I didn't make the connection at that point. I was like, okay. you know, 80 Fingers Louie is the shit. Like, Bad Religion yeah. is the shit. Like, no effect yeah. is the shit. Like, that Naked Ray Gun was, the, was like, it, it could have been Boston for all I knew at that point. You know, <laughs> like, just some, like, classic rock band. You know, I just was sure. not educated. I was not educated when it, uh, I didn't have friends that were only, like, into the deep, deep punk scene. A lot of people that I were hanging out with, like, they liked everything. Hip-hop, rap, metal mainstream music you know it was i was kind of like an enigma within some of these people because i had like this uh, what they would say is eclectic taste for music which is like music that we totally love but like back then it wasn't like corn was popular and all those kind of things like that yeah. kind of shit that i could just never get into uh, but all my friends were into it so it was just like yeah i kind of like listened to my music when i had time to listen to my music and i would always try to like get them to play faster at practice but they just wanted to play like metal songs and things like that so. <laughs> yeah like new, the new metal yeah. of the very late 90s early 2000s yeah i remember that oh no no not even that that shit wasn't even on the radar it was like 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 heavier things like Pantera and Metallica and that kind of stuff. That's what they wanted to do, which is cool. But I was just like, can we just like double time this and like maybe make it a little melody and, you know? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's like a prerequisite when you first start playing the guitar, especially around that time period, you're going to learn Pantera and Metallica riffs. I think that's one of the reasons I like those two bands these days, because I have this nostalgia of playing those songs when I very first started playing guitar, learning Inner Sandman. Once I heard punk rock, that was my main focus. That was the thing I was gravitating towards always. So that makes perfect sense. So you were in this band and you guys recorded immediately. So that started your band process. Did you play bass and sing? No, I just sang for this one. Okay. Yeah, cool. I just sang. Yeah, the band was called Beg to Differ. Uh, nice. And- that we recorded, we put out a rec, we put out a, a full length CD, and then that summer we around the sh- like northwest suburbs we got booked at all these different places and we're playing all these like local high school shows or VFWs and then like a local movie theater asked us to do asked us to uh, like play for the, one of the Jurassic Park openings so that nice. weekend. The, the theater paid us basically in popcorn to stay out, outside, play our set three times a day while people were like in line waiting to go for the opening of one of these Jurassic Park movies or whatever. Wow. <laughs> it was just like the ra- most random shit, but it was like such a cool experience. Like that summer, we sold like 300 CDs and like every t shirt we sold out of, we thought we were like hot shit. And then like <laughs> one of the guys gets that, one of the guys went off to college and the rest of the pants couldn't, couldn't like handle figuring out how to bring in a new member and it, it just kind of like fizzled out the parent like the parents uh 
parents of the drummer who were like the most amazing people, basically second parents who like housed all these kids and took them in and let them play music in their house and just destroy their basement. Um, <laughs> they like managed everything. When we broke up, everybody got paid. It was just like the weirdest fucking, I got a check and I'm just like, what is this? You know, wow. it, was, it was cool. Yeah, it was like, a, it was a really cool thing. And then we all just went our separate, separate ways. And uh, some of us are still buddies and we still talk and kind of are getting nostalgic over those days. But yeah, it was just like, it was a really cool first experience. And it's probably the reason why I'm on the podcast with you right now, because it kind of <laughs> just kicked me right in the ass and made me want to do this for the rest of my life. So That's cool, man. That's awesome. I love hearing that. It sounds like it was an amicable business dissolvement where somebody's handing you a check at the end. <laughs> yeah, right. When you're 17 you, and someone's parents are handing you like a, you know, a check for like 300 bucks, you're like, oh, I guess it was a good summer. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's great. That's really cool. So you probably played a bunch of bands since then. When did Counterpunch first begin? Because you guys have been a band for a while. You guys have been doing it for yeah. a little uh, while now. Eric and I started Counterpunch about 20 years ago. 2003 is when we had our first practice we started off as a band called dear you and then switched a member got a new guitar got a second guitar player and changed the name to counterpunch not long after that and then in 2006 we put our first album out red yeah 2006 uh, yeah. I knew that was the first full length mm -hmm. yeah awesome. self-titled very cool there was a, a Oh, there was a, a label in Japan that heard demos for that record called Radtone Records. And we were like super stoked. The Swellers put a record out with them. The Wilhelm Scream put a record out with them. And like we sent them demos and we we're like, yeah, this is sweet. Let's do it. And we sold a bunch of records in Japan. And the, the, with the like advanced money that they gave us for that album, we re-recorded it and then put it out here on self-titled with all the art and everything like that. But Cool. In Japan, it came out and it was titled An Idiot's Guide to Being an Asshole. And it has completely different art. And it's kind of a little uh, thing that, that happened before we were even able to put a record out in the States. So it did well over there, well enough to like for us to like re-record and put the record out ourselves, get a tour van and, and then try to figure out how to start the counterpunch as a thing. So. That's cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah, Japan, they love their music. It's a different world over there in terms of music and the way they absorb it and how they interact with it. It's really cool. I was in another band and we were fortunate enough to tour out there. We only played six shows. It was a really cool experience. Have you guys been out there? No, I would love to. That would be a dream come true. Like yeah, there have you ever Australia been? It would be like, no, I have not. It's incredible. So I hope you guys get the opportunity to go out there. Even if you don't go out there as a band, you just go out there individually or with your wife. It's a really yeah. cool place. It's a whole well, new world. That would be world. sweet. Yeah, it's, Japan, it's what's wild up? out there. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah, why not, right? Yeah. Uh, I think I remember seeing that record label too. We were on a record label called Kick Rock Music. They released our record out there. It was similar. We were self-releasing everything here and they contacted us and they wanted to release our record in Japan. And it was really cool. So we went over there and they have an annual tour and we were able to open it. So that was rad. But I would highly, highly recommend it. And I feel like... A band like Counterpunch, you guys would do really well over there. I think they're just grateful and thankful whenever bands do. Yeah. Because it's not easy so getting expensive. over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy. It's like five grand a person or something like that. It's really expensive. Yeah. We went in 2010 <laughs> and I it was the most expensive thing. They just wanted us to, they were going to cover everything for us, but they said, you just have to pay for your plane ticket, which is easily the most expensive thing. And I think in 2010, I spent $2,100, I think. Mm. 
think that's what it was. I, to go out there. It was, uh, I wish that time like it was to get over there these days. I know, Crazy. right? And back then, I thought it was incredibly expensive. I mean, I was 12 years, 13 years younger, but it was totally it was. worth it. Yeah. It was yeah. incredibly expensive 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's hard to believe right it's crazy just like just like that 300 dollars check i got in 1997 was like holy shit that felt like two thousand dollars to me at 17, yeah you know yeah it's crazy how like <laughs> the standards of money the amounts of money changes as, as you get older right it's a perception of it and it's a mother okay so you guys put out your first official full length in the states in 2006 mm-hmm yeah right you put out a record between that one and the 2014 record as well Dying to Exonerate the World came out. Yeah, that was 2010. 2010, okay. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I discovered you on the next one, the one that you guys recorded with Matt Allison in 2014. Okay. Yeah, is, yeah, so the Dying to Exonerate the World record, we recorded with Mark Mahalik, who is the guy that recorded the Swellers record. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, before they started recording with Bill Stevenson. And... Uh, I love his that was the, yeah he's awesome talk about one of the easiest people to to work with and as far as me and my getting vocal take the guy makes you feel so comfortable like i wish i could i, I wish that like most of the sessions that i've done past prior to that session were with him just because he's like he just like gets amazing takes out of you he make like he makes you feel like super comfortable but yeah what that was a great great recording experience that record came out on go-kart records that record opened the door to europe for us so like in 2011 our first european tour happened and yeah we've done like five or six cents but that was like a, a huge a huge uh step for counterpunch as far as just doors that opened getting us on yeah. the road more Absolutely, man. Very cool. Go-Kart Records. Are they still around? Go-Kart? I think they have a back catalog and they, they that they still sell things, but I don't think that they sign active active bands or anything like that. Yeah, um, we fair. still talk to Greg every once in a while, but yeah, we're very thankful to them. They were, you know, another, a leaping point for us, you know, and like they were very supportive. Still are. He still, you know, will send us like royalties and days on top of that when we talk and it's really, really good experience. So. Cool. That's great, man. And then Rewire was Chris Fogel. That's who you worked with this time around. And yep. he's in Denver. Yeah. You just mentioned that your Correct. band member moved out there to work for the studio. What else has he done? I'm not super familiar with his catalog. I usually try to keep up with producers. I got to say, I really love the production and the recording on Rewire. I think it sounds amazing. Yeah. Your vocals sound um, incredible. So, so like Strung Out did a box set recently, uh, the, the, the last box set that they did. He remastered that. Okay. Um, he actually did the mastering for the Bruises album. So that's where we were introduced to him. We nice. found out that he mastered the Strung Out box set. And we're like, this shit sounds awesome. Let's see if he wants to master the Bruises album. And then obviously there's like eight years between we recorded Bruises and we recorded Rewire. Yeah. But we were on tour with Strung Out and the Bomb Pops. Bomb Pops, Polly had to take a couple of days off of the road during the Canada portion to go to her sister's wedding. And Chris was producing them. He produced their last stuff and uh, he flew in to fill in on guitar and we kind of hit it off. He was like really, really awesome to be around and hang out with. And then we got off of that tour, start working on demos, trying to figure out like what we want to do, where we want to record. And we basically decided we wanted to go with Chris after listening to some more recent stuff that he had done. And we were wedged between the bomb pops and tears. So like we, Bomb Pops finished their their newest record. We went into the studio for two weeks 
And then right when we got done, Pears came in and recorded their new album. So, so we, and, and all of those sounded incredible. So it was Absolutely. just like, we, we got to, we just like found the right place for that album for sure. And I'm, I'm sure we'll go back because it's like a second home now, obviously with Kyle working there, but just working with, with Chris is, is just, a, he gets a, he gets a lot out of you. Such an amazing song listener and producer and writer in his own right. If you get a chance, he's got, he was in the gamut. Um, oh, that's right. And, okay, uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and his newest uh, project is a band called Discomfort Creature, and they're fantastic. I will definitely check that out. I didn't put two and two together. I actually have a friend. I'm a personal trainer. That's what I do for a living. And I train a guy who used to be in a band from Denver. He lived in Fort Collins, and he knows all of the Fort Collins people at the Blasting Room. But he was in a band with somebody, and they just recently re-recorded some songs at his studio. Because he mentioned that the guy from the Gamets was the one who owned the studio. So I'm I'm kind of yeah. putting two and two together. That's really cool. I really liked the Gamets too. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah, great band. Yeah, they were a lot of fun. I'll have to check out his new band. You said it's called Discomfort Creature? Correct. Discomfort Creature. That's a cool band name. Yeah. Um, awesome. That first yeah. song on that album is on their newest, uh, that first EP is killer. Yeah, it's really Rad. awesome. No, I'm going to check that out. Thanks for the recommendation. I'm definitely going to check that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, your record sounds really good. It makes sense that those two records, you were right in between there because both of those records sonically sound amazing. Kyle, is he the guitar player? Yes. uh, Yeah. He's like the lead lead guitar player. I love all of the leads that he does. And the guitars just sound Mm -hmm. really, really good. They're crisp. Just think sonically your record. It sounds really, really great. Everything sits in its own lane. I can hear the drums really, really well. Yeah, I, just think it's really... I think this is the, the first album that I feel like everything is exactly how you said it. it's kind of like sitting in its lane and it's all comfortable and well balanced. It was it took it took a while and we uh, so like the crazy part of Rewire is that and we recorded it in 2019 and then got the masters of initial first master two days before the world shut down for COVID. Man, wow. so like we had all these ambitions like oh new album we're gonna you know, keep the tour machine going, you know, like we were fresh off of like a, a couple of tours. Then like we, uh, you know, we record the album, get the masters. We're like, holy shit, this sounds incredible. It's like leap sonically from what Bruce sounds like. And I think that record sounds incredible in its own right too. Yeah. But it's just like super different, a lot tighter and all that. And then we just had to sit on it. We're just like, we can't do anything. We're like, we're, let's just sit on it. And in, in the between the, the time that we decided to sit, and figure out who's going to release the album. We did a, a remix and master and like everything is what you hear now that we released. And I think it turned out great. Yeah. So you remixed and remastered it after the original one that you had. You liked the way that one sounded a lot too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was just like, there was, there's always something like if you're sitting on something and you're an artist, it's like, it's, it's very hard to not go back and pick at it, you know? Oh and, yeah. And we were just like, there were there were just some some things that we wanted to tweak, you know. We wanted there was like too much rhythm guitar, like too much layer guitar. We wanted like sample it out and, and make sure everything is like you said in its own lane, and you can hear everything, you know. Like a lot of that stuff, we kind of pulled back and tried to make it a, a little bit more representative of what it would sound like live, even though there are layered parts, you know. But it's yeah, it's, I think it turned out cool. Yeah. Sometimes when you can delineate everything, it's almost like you're standing near the drums, but it's not the only thing you hear. It's not overpowering at all. It does give it that live feel. When you're standing right in the center of the stage and you can hear both guitar amps equally, 
but you still get that low end, but you, you're right there. So you can hear the vocals and everything. That's what I hear when I listen to your record. And it's just nice being such a fan of skate punk, for lack of a better word, in terms of genres. And I think you guys blend some extra genres in there. It's just nice to hear it. Something sonically sounds so good, you know, that you've been listening to for a long time, because I'll still go back. Yeah. And I love the way how to clean everything Propagandi's record, which was a game changer for skate punk back in 93. I still think that record yeah. sounds amazing because I grew up with it, but it's just cool to hear something decades later that sounds fresh and new and vibrant. Yeah. It, it's crazy because I just looked up the release date. You released it in July of last year. I'm sorry, June 17th of 2022. So you sat on it for two years? Mm -hmm. Oh, Pretty much. Wow. Yeah, it was brutal. But we, you know, we came up with a release plan and we shot three videos. We basically did more work before the album came up than we had ever done before. Yeah, the whole the whole process with Rewire is a labor of love. There's just a lot of time and thoughtfulness, if you will, that went into putting out that record. So, And I think it shows, I think that's a, a very, very good representation of where the band is currently and uh, yeah. where we're heading, you know, musically, so. Yeah, no, I think it paid off. I think in terms of marketing, it was great because I saw your artwork everywhere. It seemed like people were featuring it quite a bit and, there's something to be said about being patient and having a bit of a thoughtful plan in releasing it so that you can just get it in front of more eyeballs because you could just, sure. you know, you could just throw it out there that may take away from the exposure that it gets. It's a weird line to figure out with all the social media promotion and marketing and what's visible and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, not, I'm no social media wizard and we don't have like some big marketing marketing team working for us. We we have, you know, Earshot Media, they do um, like he does Mike does really awesome work and push yeah, their album. Great. Got a bunch of people to review it, you know, Felix in uh in Europe with Bam Crew. Um, everyone that was able to put their hand, put their imprint on helping us get the word out for the album, like I, I can't I'm so thankful for all of them, you know. It's crazy because Counterpunch is like, I don't consider Counterpunch like a mega big, you know, band. We're kind of like a, a mid-level mid baby band kind of a thing, but we've been around for 20 years and we do our thing and, you know, try to treat people with love and kindness and just kind of like push that message out, you know, when, when we're out on the road and, and all that. So any support, anyone who comes to shows, anyone who's listening or buying a record, you asking me to be on your podcast. I sure. mean, like, it's always one of those things where it's like, I can't even believe it because it's just like, this is just something that I like to do. And the fact that anyone is paying attention to it, it's the coolest thing ever. So, you know, thank you to everyone. Thank you to you. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. of course, man. You're welcome. Yeah, it's cool. Thank you to you to continuing to make awesome music. I appreciate it. That's really cool. And was the release of the record preparing for it? Was that something that you coordinated with Thousand Island? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. All of that stuff is that like we had we had months of planning with them and the SM in Europe. So it, it was just, yeah, we just this week we're gonna do this and this is gonna get dropped. And then this week we have this that's gonna get dropped. And right. you know, like leading up to singles, I'm sure you've released those and you know how it goes. You always do yeah. the pre-links and pre-order stuff. And it's like yeah, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes that goes into it. So, There's a lot. Uh, yeah. And you're trying to play that algorithm game too. Do you know Chris Daly from Authority Zero? I do. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. It was cool seeing him highlight you guys on his list. He had a lot of great records from last year. For sure. Daly's been an old, is an old friend of ours and homie. And uh, it, 
I he is like a like a music music encyclopedia. He does like his albums of the day and talks about like the stuff that he knows. It's just like crazy the amount of knowledge and history and things that he you know he focuses on with music. So the fact that he says nice things, it's it's, it's you know it's it's really sweet. And we, I think he said we were number five on his albums, like yeah, that's pretty cool, man. That is that's really cool. Yeah, we we got a a, a few of those. Uh, album of the year things and it's like a, it's a very humbling it's really cool uh to see people enjoying the music so yeah for sure and i mean it was a stacked year too there was a lot of great releases last year not just in skate punk but in a lot of genres and things but yeah you guys were definitely the highlight i listened to that record quite a bit right what's next on the docket are you guys playing some shows i don't know if you're touring but i think i've seen you guys mention on your social media that you're playing some festival gigs maybe this year counterpunch Play, let's see, Counterpunch has some things coming up and uh, it hasn't been announced yet. I don't even know if I can announce it, but into April, we'll have a, uh, we'll, we're going to have a show in the Denver area. And then we, we, I don't know if I can announce it. Well, another show in the summertime. Me personally, I was recently asked to fill in for a band called Death by Stereo. Yeah, so I wanted I'm, to talk about that. That's um, rad, man. Yeah, so I'm going to be doing some touring coming up. February, we have four shows in uh, Southern California, through up up the coast to Cal- uh, San Francisco with Tsunami Bomb. And then oh, in uh, March and April, we're going to be in Europe for three weeks with Grade 2. And that's going to oh, be cool. sweet. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So, Congratulations. That's really cool. Thanks. Yeah, I'm really pumped. It's like I've always like jumped into roles if I can help another band out. And I got the tour with a band called Elway a few years ago. I did a bunch of tours with them. I almost did a did a run with uh, much the same as their singer, but that, that in Canada many years ago we were supposed to do a tour with them and mute. So I'm always down to to play music with new people, and um, yeah. it, it was awesome. They like they said uh, I I so I did a like one of those cover videos of a Good Riddance tune. And JP from Death by Stereo was, was the guitar player, and he actually mixed and mastered the uh, audio for that compilation video. And after I sent him the track, and he was like, "Well, we might need somebody if you're interested. Want to do an audition?" And I sent him two songs that they asked me to play, and they're like, "Fuck yeah, dude! Come on down. Let's figure right. this out." And I was like, "All right, good so, for you, man. That's really cool." Rehearsal. Yeah, it was really sweet. Had a first rehearsal a couple weeks ago, and guys are super rad, super welcoming, and. I'm looking forward to spending some time playing some shows with them. So. That'll be fun, man. A great band. Yeah, it's been forever since I've seen Death by Stereo, but a great, great punk band. I think the last time I saw them was probably 2001 with Kill Your Idols in St. Louis. I think I drove to that show. Wow. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. I mean, Tsunami Bomb, too. That's another fun band that I remember from back in the day. The old Warp Tour days. Yeah. That's cool that they're For doing sure. it, too. That's rad, man. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited. All the stars aligned. You know, I, I so I... I Oh, oh, stay at home dad and uh, work from home dad. And when the tour opportunity came up, my wife was like, well, let's see if we can make it work. And we got family to come in for the first run. My parents are coming in for the second run. And it's like everything's lining up. And yeah, I'm really excited because I missed I missed the last counterpunch tour because we were moving from Chicago to California at the uh-huh. same time. And it just couldn't make it work. And it was the first time I had ever missed anything with the band. So it, I'm really excited to get out on the road and play some shows. It's been a long time. Like yeah, it's years a different view. Toured, so. When we're a little bit older, it's a different view, thinking of touring. It's nice that you don't have to go out for three months. You know, I know even yeah, three weeks yeah, in Europe. I would... <laughs> yeah, it can yeah, be a lot. Three weeks, I, think, I think six weeks is the longest I've ever been out in one stretch. That was even long, and that was before I was a parent. 
So, I mean, I can't imagine being gone that long from my daughter. That would be crazy. But sure. <laughs> I think that she's now a little bit older and I'm probably, you know, I'll, I'm going to miss her like crazy, but fucking, I got to get out there, man. I got to get. I got to get back Dude, and play it too. Not know? every dad can say they're going to Europe on tour for three weeks. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. And I think it's a good example to set for your daughter. My wife, she does hair and she's been doing these hair shows and she put them on the back burner for over a decade. And she's just now starting to do it. Her kids are getting a little bit older and they're now my kiddos as well, my stepkids and mm-hmm. they're nine and 12. And I think it's cool. It's cool for kids to see the parents still going for it and doing cool stuff and creating yeah. and being excited about life. I think that's really what it comes down to having a zest for sure. life. It's way different than going, leaving for nine months out of the year, like some of these heavy touring hitters, you know, yeah. I think even after COVID, a lot of people want to get back out on the road, but I'm sure it's made a lot of people want to tour smarter and not necessarily harder. Yeah. Well, I mean, the game's different now on all aspects. Everything's more expensive. It's just, and you know, like there's the COVID things that you have to contend with and the way we used to tour and I, I haven't done it yet, but like I hear people that like Ephraim from Death by Stereo is also the lead singer who do blow skulls now. And he's like, yeah, touring now is way different. It's like we used to hang a lot more like at shows and because of the COVID stuff, you got to like, kind of hang back and I'm like, it, like it hang back in the room and like not be around about a bunch of people and not do not kind of party the same way that you used to party before not hang out the same way you used to hang out because you got to like think about the next show like if I get sick everything gets canceled and I'm derailing all all of the stuff you know it's like the train I never really thought yeah I never really thought about it that way but it's yeah it's, it's totally different but you know, we'll see. I it's like I said, it's been three years since I've done it, and I'm sure I'm sure it's, it'll all be fun and finding good. Yeah. The two shows that I played so far, one was in July of last year for punk for a punk rock stage live festival in Denver, and the other one was like a, a festival in Chicago. And like just being able to fly and meet up with the dude, play a couple of shows, like that was okay. I need to get back out here. I need to do this more. I need to do more. So yeah, Yeah. new opportunity is really cool. I'm really excited. Cool, man. Yeah. You got another taste for it. The bug. I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. I often think about the logistics associated with if a band that I really loved asked me to come out on the road with them for three weeks. Okay. I could probably make that work. You know, I could figure out a way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Counterpoint has been touring since 2007 and more heavily since 2010. And the last three years, it really felt like an, I'm missing like an arm or something like that, you know? So, yeah. so it's like, yeah. it's, it's kind of cool to like get that feeling back again. Like, okay, I hope I still like it. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm sure you'll look at it through a different lens, you know, just experience and be grateful at Europe and where you go in the States too. That's cool, man. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys find Counterpunch or Death by Stereo. I would love to see both bands, but if you guys come anywhere near Lawrence or Kansas City, I'll definitely make the trek. Omaha, That's Iowa. We're pretty close to a lot of those Midwest cities and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Counterpunch is trying to figure out the touring thing. We need a, we basically wish it was like a reset for us. We like lost our booking agent at the end when COVID shut down everything. We basically have to start over. So we're back to DIY Counterpunch where we're like, anything that comes in, we're just basically handling and managing it ourselves instead of having like a booking agent, which is like, it's different. It's different, but we're still getting really cool opportunities. It's just like making sure that everyone's schedule works with everything. So that's, yeah. I think that's how Counterpunch is going to be. It's like we're, we're going to have some really cool opportunities, but they'll probably be like a little bit more spread out, you know, scattered. Yeah. Some of the festivals and things, Punk mm-hmm. in the Park and Punk and Drublick and 
Man, I would love an invite to those. That would be sweet. Yeah, it'd be cool if you could play some of the final NoFX shows. I just looked at the roster for Austin. I mean, it's everybody. There's a ton of bands. That would be really cool to hop on one of those or get to play one of those. Again, I just want to thank you for taking the time today. Thank you for carving out time on a weekend. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You guys are going to do more music too? Record more? Oh, yeah. Counterpunch, we have like a ton of ton of material from the previous recording session. And yeah, I... I think I sent those dudes like 20 riffs, 20 half-sung ideas, you know? like Radical. So they've got their stuff too, and we're just like kind of working through things on our weekly phone calls. So yeah, there will be new Counterpunch eventually. Um, it sounds like you guys are pretty all- prolific. It sounds like you write a lot. Like yeah, lots of ideas I, and I stuff. do. Um, yeah, it's, it's just my brain, I guess. I don't know. I, I can't. Uh, I can't. I can't stop with the riffing. So it's it's one of those things where once everybody, you know, kids asleep and Amy's doing her thing, my wife, I'm able to like kind of maybe take a little puff of weed, put some headphones on, and kind of dive into the voice memo box and start riffing on the 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 original ideas to to send those guys some some uh, skeletons, like you said. And uh, yeah, they throw their thing on top and it's the same thing. Like Eric does the same, he'll uh, bring his ideas in and say, okay, I'm at a point where I want you to add your bass or a vocal idea or this or that. Kyle writes ideas too, it's pretty awesome. And basically we just say, hey Jim, these things need drums. Here's like some fake drums and where the transitions and all that should be and he'll do his thing, you know, so. Brad. Yeah, man. We're going to, we'll have, we'll have more stuff. There's a bunch of counterpunch material that just needs to be kind of pieced together. And uh, hopefully next year, we'll maybe put something out. So. Cool, man. I look forward to hearing it. Yeah. yeah keep riffing. Yeah. Why not? We can, <laughs> we can keep making music. It's life giving. That's really cool. Well, Red, yeah. man, is there anything you want to mention for the listeners? Counterpunch stuff coming up into in spring. Just thank you, everybody, for checking this podcast out thank you for inviting me thank you for of course listening to counterpunch enjoying the music you know all of that awesome man yeah dude awesome i love it dude well jared thanks again man i hope you have a fantastic rest of your weekend i'll stay in touch and yeah hopefully i could see you guys at some point but yeah man thanks again for the time it was rad to meet you this is a cool chat i appreciate it yeah man thanks for asking me nice to meet you of course all right have a good day talk to you later bye Hey, thanks so much for listening. I really, really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to help the podcast out and do a massive solid for us here at Having a Blast, you could leave a review. A five-star review would be incredible. I'd really appreciate it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Another thing you could do is share the podcast with a friend. Anyone who enjoys this type of music, these bands, and personal development in general. All right. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Hopefully you're out there having a blast listening to your favorite records. Take care, and I'll talk to you later. I've been